0: matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest and greatest edition of Nick's Nonfiction. You are here with your host, Nick Muniz. Today on the show, the start of September, a brand new schooling season, and we take the theme of the show seriously here. We are going back into the supercomputing world, the quantum realm. We're talking about AI and the simulation hypothesis. Rizwan Virk, he's an MIT computer scientist, former game developer and programmer, a god of his own. We are getting into the oldest assumption today from some of the deepest thinkers into the religion of Buddhism. Samsara, the game of Buddha's wheel in the sky. You go around and around and around and around is there anyway to hit the reset button on this damn game. Albert Einstein once said, ''Reality is merely an illusion, albeit a persistent one.'' Werner Heisenberger, another scientist, ''The first sip of science will make you an atheist.'' By the end of the glass, if you don't believe in God, you're crazy. William Shakespeare, author man, once wrote, ''The world is a stage for all the men and women, merely players.'' a lot of evidence piling up could be a paradox from the start did we create the games to mirror reality or does reality mirror all of these games would love to pick plato or socrates brain on it but today we've got you and me to get to the bottom of this myth rizwan verk as well our author of the day he came up during the birth of the franchises he grew up with your space invaders your pac-man your dig dugs your root beer tapper donkey kong he was always interested In the illusion of a self-contained world. Very much what looks like the planet Earth and our SETI, our Hail Mary bombs we throw to see if there's any aliens out there. Is this the self-contained platform that we are all doomed to? He said when Rizwan would play racing games, he would always look around at the crowd thinking, Are those tiny little pixel generations sentient? Can they come up and... Be their own thing. My first game was Super Mario 64. That was the first, like, 3D game. You could go around and look at the other side of an object. I nearly shit my tighty-whities when I saw that for the first time. I would play Mario Kart. Y'all remember that? The original, the N64. You could go and drive around the back of Peach's Castle. You could leave the goddamn map. Is that a self-contained reality? There are so many ways to look at this issue, we are going to go with Rizwan Verk from those 8-bit scrollers like Pac-Man all the way up to the self-contained MMORPGs of today. And if you assume any, any rate of improvement, 0.1%, that means at some point in the future, we will eventually have a simulation that is indistinguishable from reality. So we're getting into your Ready Player Ones, your Matrixes today to prove the point that this is... An inevitable path for human technology. About the author, we have Rizwan Verk. You guys know I speak Farsi. Verk Virk Allah, Muhammad Jihad. As a teen, Rizwan, his parents bought him an Apple II computer. This was the cutting edge at the time. And he was only able to play games like Tetris, which is a great start. You guys see all these like TikToks now where a dad will create a cardboard Tetris for his kids to play out in the lawn. There were self-contained games before, like a uh, Go board, that Chinese game of Go. And now you see supercomputers are beating us at those games. So are they smarter? Are we becoming the NPCs slowly day by day? Rizwan Verk, he got an early start. He was all, he, always interested in coding his own games. His On that Apple II, he made the Tic-Tac-Toe game. I've told this story on the show before. We'll keep it quick. I had a buddy who was a computer science program in college. He was a major. And they made him make a video game. Like, he made the Space Invaders game. But, you know, we're allowed to insert our own textures and graphics. So we had dildos falling on the head of Adolf Hitler. And you had to shoot up little sperms to destroy the ships. You could not sell this game. It would definitely be rated M. When I bought GTA back in the day, the uh, GameStop person was telling my mom, you know he could pick up hookers and beat them to death in this game? And my mom's like... Yeah, it's a free-range game. I'm sure he's going to choose to do other things. Big themes extrapolating from the show today might give you a little bit of psychosis. You go to your psychiatrist and they will tell you this whole simulation hypothesis is a symptom of disassociation. But you go online and there's these really cool, playful communities. I know of a subreddit. It's called Outside. And everybody just pretends like this is one giant game. Oh my god, my health meter is falling low. I need to restore it with some food and every Year you grow up, you get another level. This shit it's very much modeled like one of the best games that we would ever put together. If you've been watching your Rick and Morty lately, they do all of those. He's playing the Dave game in the future arcade. No one's ever seen Dave go off the grid. He's never not had a social security number. <laughs> We're going to see after in the loading screen who made it the furthest. I only ever saw one episode of Young Sheldon. In that show, the kid had an Apple II computer, and he was programming all of his own stuff and I hope all of you out there have never seen an episode of this show I spare you but it was pretty damn trippy they cut to the chase first season he was like went into the computer and was talking to a number that he simulated he was chilling in the world of the forms back with Plato I'm jealous and they were like Hippocrates was right math is the answer to everything there's some Even if uh, the fucking simulation hypothesis is dripping into young Sheldon, you're going to see in 12 chapters today how it made its way here from all of history. As a kid, he was interested, dillying around on his little Apple II computer. In the 80s, they had what was called Apex. It was the NSA's supercomputer, and this was supposed to break the wall into quantum computing, which if you want some of that, go back last year listen to our September episode, Nick Bostrom's, Super intelligence, that is more so about artificial intelligence, and while we'll walk that line today talking about the NPCs, for just uh, some robot talk, go and check out that show. We're getting a little bit into gaming today. Razan verk he went to MIT, and in the 1990s, he turned his little 8-bit games into the 16-bit. He was going through his own evolutions of gaming. He made an app, which he was, uh, this is where he got most of his money. He's able to be an author because he invented the game Tapfish. Tapfish. It had over thirty million downloads. Remember that game uh Flappy Bird? Invent that shit and you are set for life. (laughs) That's they used the Super Mario warp pipes in that. So you can even rip people off and still make millions of dollars off of thirty million downloads. After that app he moved, rightfully so, to Silicon Valley and he worked on some more small time gaming companies. He's uh more of a developer than an author. Some more of his books include the 1997 Domino 4.5 Unleashed, followed by the 1998 Windows NT Server Developer Reference Book. That could be a real thriller for uh, Nick's nonfiction. Nick's textbooks. I just straight up start (laughs) annotating textbooks. In 2017, he published a book called Treasure Hunt, and this was Follow Your Inner Clues to Find True Success. He went motivational author on us, Rizwan, Every author gets one. Every author gets one. That's a lane in itself. Anybody could try their hand at motivation. And this guy's pretty motivated. Wrote a goddamn book. Programmed worlds that we will never get to going. So let's see how this guy did it. Twelve chapters today. Chapter one starts us off with simulated consciousness. Buddha once said, heard of this guy before, know that all phenomena are like reflections appearing in a very clear mirror devoid of inherent existence. That's from the Spiritual Apex. Probably an important read while you have some time here on Earth. Philip K. Dick, another experimental author. This guy, if you need some trippy thoughts to mill over or want to have nightmares, read a Philip K. Dick. He said, We are living in a computer program reality, and the only clue we have to it is when some variable is changed, alteration in our reality occurs. He's going very simple to it. We live a binary existence. When you do something, something else changes. That is all the tellings you need to see that you're within a machine. I mean, there's um, we're going to get into like chaos theory and random number generators as well, which will be implemented into the simulation that one would build. Another visionary, Elon Musk, straight up says, we live in a simulation, and he takes it a step further. He goes, not in one, but one within billions. I mean, how far off is that from the uh, multiverse theory? I mean, we're going to bleed into all those today, but I'll give it its due justice. Neil deGrasse Tyson and Stephen Hawking, another two smarty nerds, also thought that we lived in a simulation. So the smartest, biggest go-getters in human history believe this. Do we live inside a video game? One of the first things you learn in computer programming is when you're dealing with bots is if you put multiple simulated characters within one landscape, the landscape changes. If those two bots are unconscious, if they're programmed in one small loop, the environment will remain the same. Take an animal in a cage, for example. We don't consider animals to be sentient. And you put a cat in a cage and it sleeps. It licks itself. It might have a hairball and some turds in the end of it, but it did not manipulate its environment, whereas you put a human in a cage, the first thing it does is start hanging its clothes around the outside and makes it a trappy, awesome little dance party cage that you could be in. We manipulate our environment. So, uh, is Rizwan Virk trying to make the argument that Native Americans, they lived here for hundreds of thousands of years and never manipulated their environment? Are they NPCs? Pretty rude, but kind of accurate. He cited our boy... From last September, in the first chapter, Nick Bostrom, he called this the simulation argument back in 2003. 17 years, people have been fuddling around with this idea. And the idea has been around in science fiction, like with Philip K. Dick in the 60s, 70s, and religion forever. We learned, last year now, the allegory of the cave. Basically, the first simulation hypothesis. You see the distorted reflections of the truth that the developers, the people behind you stoking the fire want you to see. You're not allowed to turn your head. You are not allowed to take the goggles off. Buddhism and Hinduism to go back to the beginning is based on the word Maya. It's a beautiful name, but do you know what this word means? It means illusion. The western religions are just a little bit more dressed up, calling it the here and the hereafter, the heaven. I mean, what, what does hereafter even mean? Isn't that an oxymoron of a word? Is it here or is it after? For Zwan, Went back to visit MIT in the later years when the games starting getting much better. And there's this new game engine he got really into called the Play Labs Accelerator. And when he put on VR goggles for the first time, he thought the entire world was real. He thought, I could live my entire life in here. Rizwan in the MIT office, he leaned over at one point... And he put his wrist through a glass table. He had to go to the hospital his first time in VR, and he got hurt in the real world. It comes out later in the book. Don't want to spoil too much up front, but there is a such thing called VR disillusion. This is when people forget which reality is real. And then think about the Matrix again. If you are plugged in from birth, how would you ever know which reality is actually real? Pretty creepy. There's a. You look in the DSM, the same thing that the uh, psychiatrist will say. <laughs> He'll admit there's a VR disillusion, but not that you can get disillusioned with reality. How did this hypothesis go mainstream? Throughout history, we know now that it remained, but Rizwan is saying in the early 70s, about when Star Trek was mainstream, all of these scientific fiction ideas became a little bit like you were still a nerd if you watched Star Trek but you were having a lot more creative thoughts in your cubicle than the guy that just watched Seinfeld and retold the jokes at the water cooler. <laughs> in this uh Star Trek they had what was called the hollow deck. I'm sure that you've heard of or if you're watching um Seth MacFarlane's The Orville now, same thing. Everybody's got a hollow deck. We're going to have hollow decks in the future. And in this episode of Star Trek one of the holodeck homies started waking up they were like there are intruders within our reality they saw outside of the holodeck onto the ship and this um sparked to the interest he said for the 1999 matrix which is latent with all kinds of sub stories and just hints like um his um (laughs) id in it is issued for 9 11 2001 The guy who decides to wake him up is called Morpheus, which is the Greek god of dreams. And he asks him, you know, you have the choice to make yourself. I cannot make you do anything, but you have to be ready. You can take the blue pill and eat the fake steak for the rest of your life and not be bothered knowing the reality that there is out there. You might not be ready, but if you want things to change for the better, you have to be ready. That blockbuster was inspired by Dick's story, Adjustment Team, Philip K. Dick. And this, every time I think about it, I got fucking goosebumps right now. Adjustment Team. If this is real, I'm out. In this story, there are these people called memory adjusters, and what they would do is freeze time. And one day, the main character, he skips work, and he catches the adjustment team freezing people and adjusting their memory. Philip K. Dick, his whole idea was the collective consciousness. If there was one entity who had control of your past, present, and future, they control the narrative. What did uh, George Orwell say? He who controls the past controls the future. He who controls the present controls the past. Hmm. Philip K. Dick, even himself, in 1997, was wondering whether, you know, do video game characters have dreams? Do they wake up? (laughs) <laughs> Does your bitmoji cruise around the snap map after hours when you're not looking at it? This brings up our subject reality and quantum physics. Of course, when a scientist doesn't know something, they go, Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, quantum physics. You wouldn't get it. <laughs> and that's why the quote we started the show with, If you don't think there's a god by the time you're getting into quantum physics, you don't understand anything about science. The smallest level that we have gotten to, quarks, gluons, all of these subatomic particles, not only do they mirror binary code, so they're either vibrating or they're not. It's the same thing as when you're programming a computer. These subatomic particles, they collapse under a wave of probabilities. So when you observe something, it's like a Schrodinger's equation. He dedicated his entire life works to when you're observing something, the odds of something happen stack it against each other we have a chapter later called the gods of the odds and that gets into all of this it's like um like how some people say yeah i can do it when nobody's watching it's like you have to stack your odds before you try something in order to be able to not collapse under the visibility of observation very interesting a little bit of a deeper point i'll still ease you guys into the hypothesis for now We got Fred Allen Wolf was a theoretical physicist in this quantum realm. He said, when you turn your attention towards things, it's like a cosmic usher putting things into place. And then we got Rene Descartes was talking about the separate observer. And we know from some of these, uh, we went over in... Psychedelic, the Terence McKenna book The Psychedelic Experience That when someone is staring at you from behind In lab studies There is a significant end value In being able to tell when you are being observed So we have these Outside of the self senses That collapse under observation That's like the cutting edge of science That's real science Shit that we don't know is going on Obviously we're all fucking polluting the earth Big business more than anyone But These are the real areas of science that we need to be funding. The biggest mystery, I'm gonna bring it up later, is this quantum entanglement. These are like the glitches in the simulation that we can't explain. Fucking Einstein called it spooky action at a distance. How scientific does that sound? It's all of these superstitions, luck, your intuitions or precognitions. Can't explain that shit scientifically. Maybe it's the guy with your controller outside of the game fucking telling you and pushing you in the right direction. Wrapping up chapter one, (laughs) for he was bragging about his MIT education and uh, how the smartest guys there don't even understand how the models work inherently. As a scientist, your job is to communicate models. You don't have to really understand how anything is happening. You just have to posture yourself smarter than the average man, which you are not very hard to be smarter than the average man but you have to just be able to explain things you don't actually know how to how to do them this brings us kind of <laughs> to vr ai and the simulated consciousness he mentioned ray kurzweil of google very big name one of the best programmers of our time i bet in the future they're going to look at like the biggest programmers as the rock stars of the future because punk is dead ray kurzweil he invented the dictation tool for the uh google ai and what that means is he created ears for robots think about it the ear this is how the robot is able to take words the spoken word and fucking understand it so he is definitely a father figure if the singularity happens and uh like i robot the robots that do take over people like ray Kurzweil are safe start being nicer to siri When the uh, computers get smart enough to the point where they can hear us, this brings up the Turing test, which is going to be part of the show today. If you don't know what this is, go watch Ex Machina. Beautiful movie. It's about this guy. It's basically like the Apple CEO. They portray him as living up in Iceland. And there's a robot that's trying to escape the facility, and they bring in a test subject. But the guy, he thinks he's a great developer, and he gets to chill with Steve Jobs. But in reality, this guy is the variable, and they want to test the Turing test, which is, can an AI convince you, a human, that the robot is a human? And then at that point, what really is the difference between a robot and a human when you can't tell the difference? Go watch the end of that movie. Spoiler, they are already amongst us. He ended this uh, first chapter with the chaos theory, which kind of sounds like another hard-out, like, quantum. It's uh, due to quantum static. The chaos theory states the end isn't set until you compute the outcome, which gives a little bit more validity to that Philip K. Dick assumption that this is definitely a simulation if you just look at the fact that when you do something, there is a reaction. Newton figured it out with three simple laws. Every single action has an equal and opposite reaction. So the future is not set until you already program it. It's kind of like your mind. I like to look at the mind as one of the most powerful computers that you have access to, and... Once you change your mind, you can change anything. It's not until you set that future, program that reality, that it actually becomes possible. And, uh, (laughs) of course, the chaos theory within that exists the fractal equations, which are the new bread and butter of science. Just say it's a fractal equation, which means it goes on forever. But we are reaching this point in our society where these (laughs) unexplained things have been left unexplained for the last 50 years, So we might not be able to answer all of these questions until it's holistic. We have the super intelligence that can comprehend everything that is happening. And the real paradox there is that once we do have that computer that knows everything that's happening, we are just going to create a simulation that can predict anything that's going to happen. And then what's the difference between the AI version of me that they're running within the simulation that is cognizant and has to make the most built-up version of reality possible and then the, the real me you know there could be a million there really is no in between <laughs> so let's try to get into uh some video games to take our mind off of it chapter two stage zero to three pong to mmo rpgs very big jump and again he starts this one off with if you assume any rate of improvement from vr or ai or ar augmented reality at all it means one day it'll be indescribable from reality. Again, citing Nick Bostrom, saying that the chances we aren't in a simulation is one in millions. Stop and think about this one. Pause the show if you have to. Think about it anytime you're trying to meditate. The chance that a comet hasn't smashed us into a million pieces for the millions of years that we were mitochondria in a puddle and then we were able to be lizards, and then we turned into mammals and little marmots, and now we're these fucking six-foot-tall hairless monkeys, and still, there was zero volcanic explosions or any of that. Like, it's very—the odds of that are much lower than the fact that we're just in a computer. I'll put it better for you. If you gave me two independent classes of kindergarten kids, this would definitely get passed by a uh, standard review board for— Scientific studies, give me those kindergartners, those damn five-year-olds meldable minds. I tell one classroom the Darwin story that we all started, we're, were monkeys. And then I tell the other ones who nowadays have been raised on tablets. They know what their avatar for Fortnite looks like more than they care about dressing themselves in the morning. I'm going to tell these kids. You guys know that um, in the bigger picture, we are all just tiny data packets in this larger simulation, and you have a certain degree of freedom. Like, they're already trying to argue free will out of kids' um <laughs> school. How fucking empowering is that point when I'm just trying to say that? If you change your mind, anything is possible in school. They tell you that you're puddle soup and nothing fucking matters. But these kids nowadays that are raised in the world of digitalization, they would believe it is more, <laughs> probably more believable than this monkey theory. That we are just in one giant computer. Like we said before with the Orwell, that who controls the present controls the past. That can very well be taught to kids in the future. Scary thought, but true. Read Brave New World again. So here we are on the start (laughs) of the road to the simulation point. All the way from Pong to these VR, AR mind broadcasting downloadable consciousnesses that we have now. Stage 0 is what we call the text adventure or game world. This was around the 1970s and 80s. In 1976, there was a game called Colossal Cave Adventure. And it was just like a uh, choose-your-own-path novel. So like those people that were able to write those books back in the day, those were the OG developers. They were giving you multiple paths to go down. Maybe, you know, that Colossal Cave Adventure character goes wreck-it Ralph at night. Or uh, you think about The Sims. They have an in-game time generator. Whereas when you turn the game off, that's the whole point of The Sims. They keep simulating their entire life. They keep going to work and making money. Who's to say that's not us? And we get bought back into sentience when there is an in-game event. You do see I just bought up Fortnite. They do. This is like new with this game. They make in-game massive events. So you're in a lobby of a hundred other real people and there's a fucking concert going on in the middle so who knows maybe we are all just playing a pvp version until that big multiplayer event goes down and then everybody checks back in that sounds a lot like 2020 whole lot of chaos in the air that can be turned into habitable order in the early 80s after cave colossal cave there were games like um Scribblenaut if you've ever played that one i hadn't played it much it's like a. It's much like those cave adventure games, but you can type something in, and basically anything is at your disposal. Like I typed in to this little Scribble Knot character take knife, open door, stab a wife. Like you can take it what seems like off of the programmed route already. And of course, you see. How crazy, the like the way someone plays a video game is very similar to the way someone's diet is or exercise. You learn a lot about them. I was typing in Chainsaw, Snake Venom, and literally in the game all these things would pop out out of nowhere. So these games were pretty smart from the start, but you could see how linear they were. There's not a lot of uh, those random number generators yet. It takes us to stage 1, which is the early graphic arcade and the console games of the late 80s. You got Donkey Kong and the whole entire arcade revolution. Dig Dug, we said before, Space Invaders, Hitler Dildo. These games are all based on loops. If you've ever played the old Super Mario Scrollers, uh, Mario Brothers, they are the same level for 8.8 times over and over and over, but there's different texture packets to I'm pissed. Have you seen... The new Mario Maker game. I'm happy I got out of Nintendo when I did. They are literally just telling the consumer. They are crowdsourcing their game. They're going, hey, make the game for us. We're done. Start making the Mario game. <laughs> that's literally what this is. I guarantee the next Super Mario game will just have little excerpts of all the consumer design levels thrown together. It's criminal, but that's the point of the uh, simulation we're at. Like The better things get, the more tools get sent down to the consumer, Imagine the type of tools that the programmers have now, infinite loop generators, you could have the best. There's a reason those Mario and Donkey Kong scrollers have existed for now 40 years. They're timeless. It's pretty nuts. And then, like I was mentioning before with uh, N64, there was a shift within that decade, 80s to 90s, from exploring an internal world... To people who were more interested in controlling a character before. Like, the first time I said I played as Mario, I was fucking losing my shit. I felt like... It's like uh, when you meditate and you uh, remove your consciousness, go behind your body. It's like you are in that third-person, Gears of War point of view. And it's um just as powerful playing those types of games as when you get to that point within meditation. But it's not until an immersive VR that you can see the uh, exploration leading the charge again. People, until it gets to the point where it really feels like you're in the game and you want to explore some, uh, just some land, kind of like Borderlands, if you've ever played that game. In the meantime, that's a first-person game. It makes perfect sense. In the meantime, people are more enthralled with these, I want to control someone else. It's like um, Titanfall That's the apex of this game. Apex, even. (laughs) They fucking control gigantic robots, man. People want that type of game until the technology gets to the level where it feels like it is you. God, one of the earlier ones was Pac-Man. People even wanted to control a tiny little piece-of-cake-looking character. I have here, if you've ever seen one of those Black Mirror episodes, the Black Mirror is perfect for the simulation hypothesis. That one, shut up and dance. It's like reality is taking place within a dating app. <laughs> Could be. Uh, one of the other episodes, they were going, We're all living in Pac Man's world. He was actually British. You know what Pac-Man stands for? Program and control. He is program and control man. The whole thing's a metaphor. All he can do is consume. He's pursued by demons that are probably just in his own mind. Pretty drawn out. Not very many layers to that explanation. But it's cool to know that Pac stands for program and control. So you're seeing some early, even in the 90s, the parallels between the Pac-Man and the people. In stage 2, jumped the gun a little bit, but the NES was the next gaming system out after the arcade revolution. NES was a 16-bit system, and it had the little square controller. It had that uh, Super Mario game where you could go in the first level above the final castle, and then you could drop down into the warp pipe that puts you to the end of the level. Of course, everybody knows about that, but then there was the Legend of Zelda's King's Quest and this was the first game to ever put an explorable 2D world within a 3D space. So it's not just the side-scroller. You can go up and down and explore different rooms in this world. Pretty big jump. Rizwan takes us to Stage 3, which is a 3D-rendered virtual world and all the MMORPGs of the mid-'90s all the way up to today. When I was very young, there was Saints Row was the game for PlayStation 2. It was like the old Grand Theft Auto. So these things are getting more refined by the year. Also in this time period, Doom was the first first first-person shooter, and people were automatically addicted. That was the first time people could shoot each other and not go to jail. It's a simulated version of that. You got COD, Halo, Doom Eternal just came out. Bigger than ever. Doom was also the first online game. I mean, everyone was already into LAN gaming, and they said the birth of the online game also gave birth to the neckbeard. People were spending ungodly amounts of time indoors rigging up their computers, and he said it took over college campuses, which around my time, I think it was my sophomore year, Fortnite came out and literally whitewashed the fraternity scene. It wasn't how many girls you hooked up with this semester, it was how many solo wins you had in Fortnite. When a game is that good, when something can really take over the college scene, it blows up within no time. Daniel Tosh. They also started in that time, it was basically the first version of The Sims. The game is called Second Life. And instead of The Sims where you're controlling an entire town, it's you play as one controller. This is your second life. But one of the cool things that have really came out of this game was the in-game currency. So people were trading U.S. dollars, gold-backed currency, well, not anymore, for in-game currencies. So who's to say, where does that game stop and the reality begin now that people are grinding their real-life hours to get second-life money? Here we are. We got 3D avatars, storage of players outside of a world. Like, you can export your fucking Bitmoji and store it on a hard drive. It's uh, That's like all those Black Mirror episodes, if you could upload your consciousness and someone just keeps it trapped in a hard drive, you're in solitary confinement. We have these persistent world states, which I mentioned before. User-generated content, the Mario Maker scam. You have 3D NPCs, individual quests. Some can argue that we are creating worlds of our own already. Not convinced? That is okay, we are only up to 2010. <laughs> Chapter 3, this is from VR... To mind interfaces. We have the uh, technology uh, at this point to get people plugged into the Matrix. If you took a baby, (laughs) you give me kindergarten classes to brainwash, give me a baby next. And if you plug them in from birth, put that VR helmet on them, they will think that life exists in a crappily animated Raging Rabbits game. (laughs) Even with how crude it is now, with no other reality to juxtapose the... Digital dimension, you can think that is reality. Stage four, immersion using VR. This is the first time that you're not looking at a 2D screen for a game. You put the whole helmet on. You got screens an inch from your eye. (laughs) 1950s household moms love it. The immersion effect is still being studied. And that goes into that VR disillusion from before. They are, it's like sugary foods. They have something called the sweetness tipping point whereas you put a little too much uh refined sugar uh processed sugar in something and it loses its sweetness whereas if you put a little too much fantasy within a simulation it doesn't look real anymore that's like gta compared to saints row gta they don't have the giant dildo baseball bat like the crazy things that you could just poof into existence on a new york street the gta game keeps it a little more real and people Go into GTA Disillusion if you turn on a streaming website for a mission, people have adopted their character as their real reality. Today's VR glasses in 2020, they have two separate computer screens, two separate processors for each screen, and these screens have eye-tracking abilities. How creepy is that? There's no blind spots the little computer is tracking your pupils so there literally is no escape if you try to look to the side to look away from the vr you can't you are in it there is no escape <laughs> someone like bolts your head in this could be the next invention of the saw movies we're going digital if we know now and i mean this is changing by the moment how quick facebook is taking a hit but they purchased the Oculus VR, which was the most high-tech VR rig at the time, and they were planning on creating Facebook World. I shit you not. You remember the Oasis from Ready Player One? It was like at the end of that movie, instead of the corporatists controlling the world, the little kid who found all the hidden eggs got to control it, and his first rule was there will be no marketing in the Oasis. (laughs) And the entire reason... That Facebook wants to make Facebook world is to over-inundate you with flashy signs and advertisements. But what's missing the uh, from us and the Ready Player One reality? You have those. In that movie, they had the new haptic feedback suit, which would be like a skin-tight wetsuit. And it has little electrical pulses. So when you get shot in the game, you get fired up right around your heart and it feels like you got shot. <laughs> you know, a lot of people would quit at this point in the game. We're still missing, like, a, I don't know, some surround sound nausea-inducing if you're on, like, a... <laughs> I used to play flight simulators. One of my buddies was going for an Air Force uh flight slot, and so we would fly A-10s together, baby. This is the plane where they build it around a machine gun. It's a tank destroyer. I mean, if you had the cockpit and, like, a reactive seat that went along with everything happening in the game it would be pretty indistinguishable literally flight simulators (laughs) and then stage five there is the photorealistic ar and mixed reality so imagine you and your friends with google glasses running around the park and playing paintball but you don't have to run the risk of cops rolling up and ruining the only fun in town you just are running around looking like idiots pressing on imaginary triggers, but imagine that. You can, like, go to a park together, set up the predetermined boundaries, put flags up, fake flags, augmented flags that you go and capture from one another. This is—you can play manhunt to a whole new degree. If you watch those old commercials about um, Google Glass, they would do augmented reality all the way down to your kitchen, where there's (laughs) a— This shit is so dumb. Or there are those pictures on the outside of your refrigerator. What is inside your refrigerator? Here's a fucking crazy idea. Open the door, you fatso. There are some definitely more applications for the AR. Like you go over to your fridge and you say, Siri, pull a post-it note. And you put a post-it note floating in 3D space. So imagine you go to your vacation spot and you pull up a bunch of post-it notes, write what you were thinking at that time, and you go there a year later. In floating in 3D space, as long as you have your glasses on, or notes, or something that you wanted to leave for yourself or someone else, this is a great fucking um, simulation argument. If you've heard of Rando Knots, this is a group on the internet where you put in random coordinates, or you put in something that you want to see. Like I wanted to see, I want to see inspiration. I want to see something comfortable. I want to see something enlightening. And then it gives you random coordinates near your location, and people post pictures of things they see. And uh, it's like the omens of the universe that they're tuning into. Glitches? Who the fuck knows? Rizwan was bringing up special effects, because special effects are what are going to make us get to this singularity point or the turning point in VR. And Jurassic Park was the first special effects movie where most of the characters used CGI at one point or another cooler fact toy story if you didn't know that was the first movie done completely in cgi if you look at how they made um sleeping beauty the the one about the beast beauty and the beast (laughs) the beast within they fucking used to put like layers of paper mache and it was very taxing it's an incremental increase the more digital we get like I don't even like movies that much anymore. Everything is Hollywood CGI. It's recycled. Like, think about Ready Player One in that movie. And then again in Doctor Sleep, they go back to the hotel from The Shining. So this is three times that we have the fucking whatever it was called hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. Y- you could go there. You could pay for a camera crew to go out there. But they're cutting corners. They're using CGI. CGI. Look at, like, the Disney animatronics. Those are still pretty fucking underwhelming. If you've ever been to the Hall of Presidents, Magic Kingdom, (laughs) dude, they put a Trump bot in recently. It's the Hall of Presidents. Very obviously, they didn't put a lot of time and effort into the Trump bot. It looks exactly like Hillary Clinton. Like, they thought she was going to win, and then they just fucking did it over with his. You know that these robots could be a lot better. Disney now has animatronic acrobats so you can you don't even need to pay people to risk putting their body on the line but what is watching a fucking machine go through the air that's not the point of the art it's someone giving their life to be able to do this one stunt shoot themselves out of a cannon If i want to shoot metal out of a cannon i'll shoot a cannonball i think you know the most convincing ai we have right now is mark zuckerberg <laughs> that guy's a fucking bug Many think by the end of the 2020 decade, there'll be a mass use AR device. If you think about it, the watch isn't that far off. And you see now the NBA players have this coronavirus ring where they can detect a difference in bodily function from one day to the next. This takes us to stage six, light field display and 3D printing. So the next level after we get those graphics right. This is getting into more of the bleeding-edge research and speculative technology. We're back to Schrodinger's cat. (laughs) Light has to hit your eye in a certain way to give the proper 3D illusion of an object. So that's why within a VR, if you are already within the VR, like now that we have that eyeball tracking thing to send light at a certain degree, angle... It's um, going to make the illusions within the game better. But within the VR game, if I didn't program Genie to pop up at these coordinates and riff, he's not going to look good. It's not going to look convincing. The point is got to get all these angles right. So how would you do that? You don't have a set to work within when you are inside the <laughs> 3D space of a simulation. We'll get into later. There is, obviously, we know the X, Y, and Z coordinates in 3d space but when these programmers are creating a world they have a fourth valuable a t variable which is for time i'm gonna go over to stage seven the mind interfaces once you could get that into the mind it is indistinguishable and this was one of the scarier points if you have a vr that let's say it's like a a helmet one of those ones they do when they're recording a uh You ever see a video game character, they put all those little white balls on them to triangulate their XYZ where they're going to put them within the little simulated space? If you were able to put one of those little hats on that pricked into people's brains and would give them the proper doses of happiness to make it feel like they're actually eating an apple within the simulation, again, there is absolutely no difference. If you remember valve the guys who made left for dead 2 there's a production company named valve and there's like a valve at the root of the guy's uh head in the very back near his spine and in the matrix that's exactly where you plug in the simulation from and at this point if we really did have that brain interface we would be able to broadcast the mind And uh, this changes a lot more than just fucking video games. Like, real empathy would be possible. I would be able to go through your experiences through your brain. I remember in a—must have been middle school. There was one of our teachers who showed us a refugee camp in Syria. Eight years later, we're still blowing them up. And He goes—he said, this is going to change the world if every student sees this. Okay, how about you show it to some lobbyists in the military-industrial complex? It's pretty fucked up, man. When you can walk around a refugee camp without even being there in a VR helmet, new perspective. The obvious watch for this chapter as we get into the mind interfaces and all that is Blade Runner. Or uh, I just watched Total Recall recently. That was a good one about putting implanted memories or like Philip K. Dick's Adjustment Team. If you've ever seen Looper, that one was about the drug of the future is this eye drop you put in and it gives you a new experience as well. Pretty good campfire stories here, a lot of ways you could creep people out, but it's coming. If you told someone in the 1800s, at any time, your son, your mother, your hated stepmother is going to be able to ring you in your pocket, and you're going to have to answer. (laughs) That's a fucking horror story, man, these iPhones. (laughs) I'm going to say negative for humanity. Chapter 4, this is going to be stage 9 and 10, AI and Downloadable Consciousness. Singularity. We throw this word around a lot. Nobody really knows what it means because the definition, much like racist, changes every few years. Singularity used to mean the explosion of AI, but now it refers to downloading or being to upload your consciousness. Which, I mean, that's fucking a bullshit definition too. I've read Michael Shermer's Heaven on Earth. The top scientists over 50% concur that even if we are able to make a genetic copy of your brain... Which is what Google is doing Why they steal all your fucking information If we were able to make that genetic copy You're not going to be able to transport Your point of view consciousness Into a hard drive Like that's just going to be a digital version of you You, There's no immortality Hate to break it to you Heavens on earth By using voice actors for the NPCs They take a lot of variability out. So now with AI voices within video games, like The Last of Us 2 had actors, but some of the NPCs, they used robo-voices. It's pretty creepy. Actors all over America losing work. What a tragedy. You could see, like, um, Animal Crossing, the most simple simulation games, are going to and have low degrees of freestyling. Tom Nook... That guy is a lying, conniving, psychopathic menace. He needs to be deleted from the Animal Cross servers. I bring this man fish and fossils, and he jacks up the mortgage on my house. Death to Tom Nook. (laughs) We're back at the Turing test. If you put Tom Nook through the Turing test, I bet you could still beat him in a negotiation in his little shop. Alan Turing of the test was saying you have to sit and have a discussion with a robot, and if it can convince you a human, it's past the test. Depends who you put on the room, if we're thinking into this experiment, because intelligence is relative, so it'd be a lot easier to fool a dummy about a robot being a person, like your dog, to put it kindly. Thinks that a Boston Dynamics K9 that that is able to open doors and has its own can opener built in is smart. But in reality, it's just programmed better. It's not an independent thinker. Again, go check out Ex Machina for more on the Turing test. Rizwan was deciding to call out the biggest losers in history during this part of the chapter. He was talking about... Kasparov was the name of the guy to lose the first game to a robot. He lost chess to a supercomputer. I think it was the Deep Blue computer. Uh, You know, just top losers of history. Maybe Disney is going to make an animatronic robot. Kasparov. (laughs) Suck my motherboard. From superintelligence last September, government bots are now able to compose orchestras. I mean, you can make the argument that musical theory is a math. It is the math of sound in space. So it's not too out of the ordinary to think that a robot could compose some sort of music. They're also writing poetry. Edgar Allan Poe, um, like these sad motherfuckers writing poetry. How? What is a robot going to draw from? They don't have an emotional well or experiences that they can write about. Very scary how smart they're getting. It is potentially to that level of AI. And I honestly think, to cap the name of the chap, AI is becoming more and more relevant. There are deep learning programs. I lived with a kid who was a computer science major and he worked for Sony and was telling me that deep learning is what every single uh, tech company is getting into right now. It's going to be the future because once you teach the robot how to teach itself, it's a feedback loop, you're done. That was the exact point of superintelligence. Once you can get a significant enough value of self-taught robot, it's going to surpass us in knowledge by thousands of years within hours. Like the exponential growth of a computer is not even comparable to the human mind. So these uh, deep learning programs are essential if we're going to take our sims to the next level. The NPCs obviously are going to have to fool us. Because that's one of the biggest things when you go into an environment. If one of the guys that you talk to on the subway had a tick and it seemed like he was a robot, that wouldn't fool you. You're going to start to question your reality. It has to be indistinguishable. So it might start with our droid companions. You're fucking... Uh the cia bug the amazon alexa eventually that's gonna look like an r2d2 just like some clunky canister rolling around your house talking in a robot voice but eventually that's gonna turn into hal or remember that creepy ass movie smart house on the disney channel (laughs) that was just like a forewarning tale that wasn't even fiction it's gonna happen you know you're gonna have your fridge talking to you hopefully i'll have one that'll call me fat This was a really cool point in 2016. Like, your house is going to be able to learn if it has that deep learning. Back four years ago, Google released a chatbot with a Twitter account. Remember these? Even in elementary school, I was on an Apple II, and we pulled up chatbot on Google, and it was smarter than me. I was in fifth grade, and this robot was giving me things like books to read and shit. I had nothing to recommend this for real, intelligence on a bell curve. Within 24 hours of uploading Google's chatbot, it was racist. And you can make the argument the internet or Twitter is a racist place, but it was polarized. So the deep learning isn't there. It's going to choose one side or another. It doesn't know how to juxtapose two pieces of information. So we still need, for now, because they're not smart enough to really think for themselves, they'll be racist robots. <laughs> We need the iRobot rules. Rule one, you can't hurt a human through action or inaction. Rule number two, a robot must obey orders as long as they don't conflict with the first law. And number three, a robot must protect itself so long as it doesn't break rule one or two. And then by the end of the movie, iRobot, you see there's a net operating all of these laws, which eventually becomes one giant mind that controls all of them. So the singularity might not be possible within the biological beings of humans it might only happen eventually when we do create a digital world and if you look up like in merriam webster's dictionary that lady has never let us down singularity means a point that can be approached but never reached so it's another one of these changing definitions it's like dividing one infinitely you will never reach the end it is a singularity john von neumann created the phrase in the 1950s he was saying one day machines will have the same ideas as man and so if we're using the pure term of singularity it's when robots are just as smart as us and can coexist it's hard to even postulate this like i have nothing left to say man what are you gonna do there's gonna be robots rolling around with us what the fuck altered carbon that's a really good show they do a lot of Stories about future hell. <laughs> so ending here you see games as a way to test and then develop AI in a controlled environment. You know, if you had that racist chat bot, you don't want to put it into Times Square immediately. You might put it into the Times Square on Grand Theft Auto, see how it reacts, and then bring it into the real world. So these games really are testing the cutting edge of programming. Chapter five, we are up to the gods of the odds. He is already in the book referring now to life as the great simulation. I don't know what the point he was was trying to make here, but he spent a couple of de- uh, chapters talking about storage capacity. And his point was, if trillions of people decided to join our server at once, uh, would it crash? Like we had the birth rate is so <laughs> static that it could potentially prove that people can't all join at once because we have a certain amount of processing speed. As a planet, I mean it's a good idea for a science fiction book, but uh read about the birth rates in developed countries two point one that'll answer your question. We're not all just i mean if you've seen they live it's got to be one of my favorite movies now, but at the very end, spoiler, there are aliens that can choose where in the universe they would like to send their frequency to and exist amongst those people. So that's kind of the point that he's trying to make here scrutinizing Bostrom's 2003 paper once again, the one called, Are You in a Simulation? Smart point. I wouldn't have came to this conclusion on my own. Either a civilization can't make a simulation, which is like us, we are not able to reproduce our reality right now. If they had the power to and ruled not to, is extremely unlikely. It would be ethical. This is the point. Humans are unethical, really. If we had the simulation, we know... It would ruin everything. Like, I could run the simulation of me in a cold war against China and run a million ways to see how I would deal with coronavirus, how I would deal with buying out the 5G contracts from Argentina so they hit us with an EMP, go look into it. Not the human spirit. We live in chaos. you got to try to influence the odds. I mean, in an ideal world, in the utopia, that'll never happen. We would have the computing power to create entrapped beings inside of computer simulations, and hopefully we rule not to in the future, but we're definitely going to. I mean, look at China. They say not to play God, the Geneva Convention. They have human-animal hybrids, okay? We're going to do some pretty creepy shit. We're going to create some simulations of hell-earth, of where there's it's a 1,000 degrees, there's always active volcanoes. Be happier in the simulation that you're in. And so once we hit this tipping point, of creating these war games even, the number of faux worlds vastly outnumbers the real worlds. Probability, raw numbers tell you that the more times that we populate a simulated world, or the more video games we make even, the closer we are to that point, and the more likely that the story of humanity ends with us, not typically ends, but does include us creating a life-level simulation it's unavoidable, even if there is like a uh, <laughs> maybe not like think about to this point, you would have thought that a terrorist would make a suitcase nuke and take it into the middle of a city. So maybe it will take some heretic scientist in a lab coat spiked up hair to create a simulation. But it'll happen. That was another fucking black mirror. They beat me to the punch on everything. God damn it. The one where he goes into the video game and steals his coworker's DNA to create a version of her inside of it. <laughs> oh, shit. Keep your DNA to yourselves. Bostrom, in that 2003 paper, concluded that we are simulated consciousness, and you only do what the odds say you are most likely to do. And I think one of my, you could call it a running bit, <laughs> I'm standing against determinism on the show. I think that when you change your mind, you can ch- I'm reading some potent inspiration right now. Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. This guy went lost 200 pounds in three months. I'm giving up sugar. Literally everything is possible once you tell yourself there is no other option. And Bostrom is trying to say, you are a stacked number of odds. You are what you are, and there's nothing that can do to change what the likelihood of you are to do it. But, like I'm saying, if you chip away and stack your odds eventually you could be 5% closer to the being that you wanted to be tomorrow than today facts and then there's this new uh, Ryan Reynolds movie coming out not sure if it got delayed because movie theaters don't exist he is a NPC in a video game and he wakes up every day he gets blown up it's pretty cheesy should be a fun movie I'll probably watch it he's uh, stuck in a simulation he wakes up a little bit more every single day Back to Plato, make your way 5% out of the cave every single day. So it is a thing, it is a fight out here of digital versus spiritual consciousness. Now, more than ever, people put large amounts of their identity online. So you are even more split up. That willpower is divided. The biggest deduction we can make on this chapter, though, is that consciousness is a set of information and processing that information. So you are not completely a god of the odds until you master your mind. But we are uh, (laughs) deduction machines, unfortunately. You know, they have uh, found rat brains. They have completely made computer mock-ups. Rat brains only have 10,000 neurons, and they were able to build that up and see what the rat would do. And now they say the human mind has billions of neurons. So, no, it's ten to the 22nd power synapses the human brain has. So again, assume any rate of improvement and eventually we will be able to simulate our own mind, throw that in a video game and you are unable to tell. That's the Turing test, baby. We're at part 2, we're picking up the pace, chapter 6 conditional rendering. This gets into the collapse of the probability waves again, so hold on to your hat. Definitely talking above my head this chapter what do you got to do in life? Trust people smarter than yourself. We're going off of Eric Schrodinger's work. His biggest question was, is space or time quantized? So in the simulation aspect, is space-time made up of pixels? And now you're going to say, yeah, atoms. Atoms are the indivisible smallest thing of um, them. And obviously we know now there's quarks and nuons, and you can split an atom up much smaller. But his question is, Is space-time, this grid, this 3D thing that we all exist within, can you actually put a coordinate to an exact place in time? And you know, if you could do that, we're back in XYZT land. And it basically proves we're all in some sort of a contained universe, like like those old racing games that Rizwan would play. Quantum Intermediacy. Basically, proved this. It was Einstein's work. He coined that term. And he was saying that yes, there are specific points in time that hold pieces of information. But when you are not observing those places, they collapse. So it's just like in a video game. This is trippy as fuck. Where when you turn around really fast in Call of Duty, put your sensitivity up to 10 for a 360 no scope. (laughs) When you turn around really fast everything behind you is black like that part of the world has not rendered yet you didn't give it enough time there are stories of people who drive down barren stretches of highway and say there are people inserting truman show sets like unless you observe something it doesn't need to render says einstein not some kid talking about people writing scary stories on the internet i know that shit's not real but think about how cool that would be if you saw like the Truman Show set painters out there. He talks about the Truman Show in the last chapter, too. And so Schrodinger, he was saying his whole cat experiment is based off of quantum intermediacy, And if um, <laughs> you could prove some of this, again, we're way above my head, it was the double slit experiment. You, you can manipulate light waves with electromagnets. Magnets alone black magic fuckery i do not want a magnet within 10 feet of me when i'm sleeping i sleep inside a faraday chamber if there's a magnet around and now they're saying electro magnets and then you go to fucking real physicists like quantum physicists now say that the universe is made up of four forces electromagnetic the strong the weak force and then the electronic fo- like there's only four forces in the universe so what are you even trying to say to me who the fuck knows, man? I feel like if you're Einstein, if you are objectively the smartest guy out there, you could just start making up your own rules They were on the playground. Einstein, I tagged you. You're it. No, no, no. This is the quantum base theory. You see, when I'm touching the tree, I cannot be tagged. He's just making up his own fucking rules out here. So when you have that guy, maybe he becomes the creator. He said anti-gravity technology is possible. Old Einstein. And now you got the Navy. <laughs> fucking not the Navy. They're declassifying videos of spaceships. They they said there's uh fucking aliens in the ocean that have anti-gravity ships. And the way they explain those physics is like putting a bowling ball on a bed. And you bend space-time in front of you, and since space is a vacuum, it pulls your spaceship forward. So I think it's very likely that we could have this shit underwater at some bases for when the water-sea levels rise and the elites take cover. It's very likely that the anti-gravity shit is possible, and it is also likely that Einstein was just so smart that he willed anti-gravity into existence. Not really. We're having fun here because we're talking about quantum physics, and I'll put you to sleep so let's get back to the roots science is based on observing without affecting then measuring it's the scientific process you need to leave these independent variables alone observe and report and the entire thing that we're getting at here is when things collapse under observation how can you observe without affecting something and that's a paradox another motherfucking paradox I think I'm going to stop getting high and just reading paradoxes. You know, just a good paradox to get my mind off something at the end of the day. It's some bullshit, man. Like, how are you ever supposed to study something if when you observe it, the light waves are manipulated? It's pretty crazy to hear Einstein say the least scientific thing possible, which is that there is no pure studies at the lowest level. And if you don't even know what the fuck your foundation is built upon, how do you holistically know what's going on? Ended it with quantum intermediacy, which is the smarter the computer, the more responsibility that it can hold. I mean, that's pretty fucking simple. It's like a processing power. The better software you have, the more responsibility the computer can have. Like IQ, think of it. It's QI, quantum intermediacy. IQ is... The more possibilities a human can hold. You can traject more possibilities of the future. That's why IQ is done through a puzzle test. You just see more possibilities for the puzzle. It doesn't mean you're smarter. You just have a bigger processing chip and you got to use it. You got to use that deep learning in order to make the IQ worth something. It's pretty cool. The quantum intermediacy goes up every single year. That's uh, Murphy's Law. Every single 9, 18 months it is, either computer power doubles or computer storage is cut in half. Like, you could store more in a lower space. So, every 18 months, computers are getting better and better and better and better. So, that simulation, the singularity point, is coming quicker than anybody would have thought. To end on this rendering thing, because this was a pretty hard chapter. Fucking quantum intermediacy. Elon Musk pushes it hard, so... Trust in someone smarter than yourself? Elon Musk believes in it. It's like in Minecraft. If you've ever played this game, the world doesn't exist. You create your own world, you mine shit. It doesn't exist on a universal server until another player joins. So there's something reassuring. Even if this is one giant simulation, just know that the only reason it exists is because you're here with other players. Pretty comforting. Chapter 7. This one is called Parallel Universes. So now we have a little bit of a better idea of the subatomic world. And it's like there's the... They make up what you could call the microverse. And that affects things on a macro level. This brings us to the many worlds interpretation. And this is where a lot of people's reality splits. Like you can stay on the same page for a while. But I don't know if I believe in it. I don't know how many people's attention that you would keep with this idea so we're going to blast over it but the many worlds interpretation is uh basically saying that reality is fucking splitting and every important decision you make the past is influencing the future but just as much as the future is influencing the past if you've ever seen cloud atlas i would really suggest this movie it's a tom hanks one The main theme in that movie is with every crime and with every gift, a new future for yourself is born. And it goes through like this guy, he has the same birthmark, but he doesn't know any of the past versions of himself, yada, yada, yada. Point is that you, in all of your multiple dimensions, you're looking out for yourself. The future you wants to help you. The you that is doing slightly worse in a different dimension wants to see you succeed. So again, we are rigging those probabilities. Maybe just those thoughts are the multiverse bubbles bumping into one another and giving you the idea. Very far stretch for this chapter. Think about the time preference, if you've ever heard of this. It basically is affecting or bending your own future. It is one of the pillars of libertarianism. The time preference is basically scheduling Your own happiness. I can not eat cookies for an entire week so that they taste amazing in 7 days. Or in 14 days, then I can forget the taste of sugar and revamp my palate. That is a time preference. And what scientists use was called the Delayed Measurement Experiment. And it basically states what my abusive uh, wrestling coach said in high school. What gets measured gets improved. And so, again, to what you're paying attention is what renders. If you're not measuring something, how would you know if it's getting better or not? This is, we're getting into the hacks for the game now, baby, the ways that you could make the system work for you. And so these little tweaks that you make to yourself is what a spiritual person would call an offer. And you got to ride these waves, acknowledge the omens, in order to transcend to a new level, if you would. The more scientific point that Rizwan makes is do these future selves exist or are they just mathematical projections? You tell me what seems more likely. Maybe you love Back to the Future and then you will say something else. (laughs) Think about it this way. You're um, a video game character. We don't look at them as sentient. They're just a bunch of ones and zeros that say the same thing. Well, how about you, motherfucker? You're just a bunch of carbon and oxygen atoms, and you say only 2,000 words a day. You ever look at those studies, the amount, like, (laughs) women say 5,000 words a day, but it's still the same 2,000 words within a different order and repetitive. How far? Maybe we are just at a higher level of the video game. Another one that supports this chapter, Spider-Man Into the Multiverse. All the Spider-Mans are coming together to help the main one. Stephen Hawking said in his last um, work, might have been called the not the big picture, the grand design <laughs> might have been called. That's a pretty good callback to this idea. Stephen said that many worlds do exist, but in the end, they fuse back together. So he's kind of just taking it back to the cosmological idea. He believes in the Big Bang and eventually the Big Crunch. But he sees in between this most likely... 20 billion year period that other futures can exist. I hate this one. I hate when people, scientists, go, Well, you know that space is infinite. So right now, out there, there is an alternative version of Earth where you were talking to me but decided to be quiet the entire time. And I think this is a bullshit interpretation of infinity. The odds odds of infinity are greater of that not happening than there being an exact replica in space and time. That's just a frustrating example, but you get the point. To what end? (laughs) To what end would we advance technology? And likely, that would be when we have the MMORPG Oasis, where everything is perfect. That'll take us to chapter eight. This one is called Pixels and Quanta, getting into that structure of the space-time. Back to Einstein, he said that there is a Quanta of space But they did not hold a specific value. They held a specific percentage. If you look at the electron cloud, we used to think that electrons were held onto a little circuit going around the neutrons and protons. But the electrons are actually in a cloud. And there's a certain probability of where they will exist at a certain place in time. There's no certainty. So it mirrors... Reality it mirrors the brain. There is no exact quanta that you can place on these things. So not only can, like there are MIT supercomputers that have reported being able to store information within atoms. This is some twenty twenty shit. And imagine a international war, and there are spies trying to come and get some of your. Bullshit data. You can store like those VR sticky notes. I was saying you can store actual data inside of atoms No detective will ever find those fingerprints Quanta is now able to be stored on an address in this grid of space-time And then even beyond that we can bend the fabric of space-time. We can't exactly do it yet Einstein called this a quantum leap Okay, again, smartest guy making his own rules. He's saying if you create a wormhole or some sort of a fucking time machine on Earth, you can possibly create a quantum leap. And mathematically, it checks out. (laughs) Only supports our argument more. Fast travel could very well be a thing of the future. Now that there is this X, Y, T, quanta space of time that you are able to pinpoint... Things like um, the first animated movie, Toy Story, can now release advanced games like the new Toy Box that they have had. If you look up this game, it's like every child's dream. You have all the Disney characters and shit, and you're able to make up games with them, create your own environment. So even the kids are becoming gods now. And look at the uh, recycled Hollywood CGI. They used all of those characters in Ready Player One now as well. So unfortunately, with copyright, we'll probably never get to see a true oasis for a very long time. Kind of sucks. That brings us to what's called the Xenos paradox. Let me get my lighter out here. We got another paradox that's about to fuck me up. If space is mostly empty, how do we fill things? That electron cloud I was just talking about, it's mostly empty space. So when put your hands together right now. Shouldn't they be able to go through one another? It doesn't make sense. It's a paradox. Try to think about that one tonight. (laughs) You're going to sleep. You'll never sleep. Now that we know there's an exact place and time that you could even store information with our new supercomputers, how much smaller does that get? And if you remember this guy, I just had PTSD seeing his name, Max Planck. Remember Planck's number when you were taking physics? It's uh, This is like getting to string theory. The smallest human measurement that we are able to do math in is 1.612 times 10 to the negative 35th. Can't forget Planck's number, baby. That's cooler than 69 and 420. The smallest number known to man. I'm starting to think this one recently too now. Or I just got to find an old person to troubleshoot this mystery. Did Google create the number of Googleplex? Because there's got to be a higher number than that. Infinity. So, what Einstein called a quantum leap is what ended the chapter here. You could call it teleportation, wormholes, quantum entanglement. First, they were called Einstein Rosen bridges, and they mathed it out. It should be doable. The term wormhole was coined in 1957 by the sci fi writer John Weaver. If we didn't have the John Weaver, (laughs) He's the true scientist, like Einstein is a, what would you call him, an inventor more so, and then the scientist is this guy who was able to put it in understandable terms for us. Oh, a wormhole. Anyway, information can travel faster than the speed of light. Look at the way I'm talking to you right now. We are opening new wormholes every fucking day. It's going to take us to chapter three, how simulation explains the unexplainable mystic. That's part three, chapter nine, we're calling it Karmic Quests. We got a Yoganada quote. How far off is that from Yoda? Birth and death are doors through which you pass from one dream to another. Yes. Buddhist, the entire goal is to wake up to be liberated from the Maya, the dream world. It sounds avoidant. (laughs) But the Buddhists, they look at it as the easier simulation where the karma is your XP bar. It's the point system. And it's based, the wheel in the sky, you get a better next game based off of how good your points are. This is like one of the best examples for, I mean, humans were built to worship. But isn't it weird that we were also built with this game-like mechanism within us? The yogic readings would say, because they are definitely riding the rails of disillusionment here. Although the world is an illusion, this doesn't mean it is not real. You ascribe the value to the world. So again, it's what you choose to render will become the forefront of your consciousness. This happens in these cycles of sleeping and awakeness. So don't feel bad. You had some friggin' cake this week and it just spiraled out into a month-long, uh, you know, binge, uh, what do they call it, relapsing. That's straight up what it is. There are these cycles of cleaning up the act, getting off the wagon, on the wagon, off the wagon, on the wagon. And these are part of the games. It's these cyclical epochs, even, if you zoom out enough, that happened in mankind. It's all these in-game events that happen on and on and on, and you can just choose which version you'd want to play. Their point here was also that the dreams that you have is able to uh, eliminate, like, the pent-up creativity that you would have if you were a creator. Because another thing with the Buddhists is we are all the creator. We have lived every single life. So you're telling me then why wouldn't I just want to be outside of all this bullshit creating worlds? And they're going, yeah, that's why you dream. Well, we got here in America to give this some more believability. The nature boy himself, Ralph Waldo Emerson, (laughs) one of those sad poets, but at least this guy was out in nature. He believed in samsara, that endless wheel of life. And in order to reach nirvana is to be awakened. Rizwan was making the argument. There's Thomas Ashley. He's a professor and a guru, but he has these healing mantras. Even think about Christ. That guy definitely had some healing potions. (laughs) This guy, he fucking went to whatever forbidden realm there is within this game and bought back the placebo for other people to kill their leprosy. I also think Jesus might have broke the physics engine because that motherfucker was walking on water turning water into wine. This guy, he was just the Einstein at the time and he can make his own rules. (laughs) Here's one for uh, Rizwan I could have pitched for his book. How do we know that the white light at the end of this uh, entire play for all the men and women are players? What if we're not just going through the ethernet cable? And you see the white light at the end of it, very unlikely. But this is the type of arguments that Rizwan is making towards the end of the book. (laughs) You know, what do um, AFK people look like in real life? Are they just dead in the eye, set on a looped task? If that's the case, then I know I go AFK at work. You could be AFK and someone texts you a quest. We are in the Karmic Quests. And those, the results of those and the XP that you gain is dependent on how much that you put into it. So like you know you're doing a World of Warcraft, you get a side quest, and there are all these little enemies that you could beat along the way, and they grow up your power. But do you just want to finish, skip to the end, and go straight to the lesson? You, you, You see. You see. It's not hard to make all these fucking comparisons. We'll go along to chapter 10. Unexplained areas, this is what I was saying before, all the UFOs, God, angels, near-death experiences, they beat into his mind in the MIT science program that reality has to be described in a different way to the people. That's the job of a scientist. So sometimes observed data doesn't fit the model, and it has to be redone. So like, uh, you know, Big Pharma and the FDA in the 1960s Testing whether or not sugar was good for your diet. And they just had to redo it and redo it until it fit their model that they were going to speak to the public. You could really make a lot of science fit any sort of model. It's these spooky action Einsteins that are actually exploring the spooky shit that scientists need to that we don't know what's going on. So the unexplained often is explained by humans with the explainable, our oldest belief system, Every religion, Judaism, Christian, Islam, Christian, all of them follow the same structure. It's God as a programmer. We're built to worship, baby. Newton and Einstein referred to God in their writings. So again, the further you get into science, the more you're going to have to embrace the fact that we don't truly know everything. I mean, this is really, some people might be having heavy cognitive dissonance right now because the new religion is science. And the point of it is to say that you know everything climate change you know it's really all about taking a step back even Islam I talked about Christianity and Buddhism talking about the hereafter the afterlife in Islam translates to al-akhir which also means the here and now the Janama is their judgment day that's when the mountains rise with all the souls who are worth being risen up to God they're all the fucking same all these religions <laughs> Muslims have the life review at the end, so they have this, like, karma calculator at the end. You ever play Mario Party, <laughs> and you make it off of the board game at the end, and then they tally up all your stats? I hope to God we have this pause menu or celebration at the end where you get to see all your stats. In Judaism, they're, like, notorious for not even having a god, but they have what's called Gehenna which is where the souls reflect on their misdeeds before entering the Garden of Eden. So even more like a purgatory in Christianity. If you watch a lot of Twilight Zone episodes or like The Cube, some 1990s movies, you see people, there's a lot of reason to think that this could be the purgatory or one of the loading phase in a greater simulation. Guardian Angel thing, I kind of spoiled this before, but the Jewish Gabriel tradition is uh, like the Guardian Angel. Maybe that is your controller, someone keeping an eye on you on the back burner. I came up with this idea. Maybe when you say a prayer, it's like writing a complaint forum to the developers. So like if you write too big of a complaint, like, fix my grandmother of Alzheimer's. They can't change the rules of the game. But if you send that complaint up to the devs, if you request a patch note... They might, those gods of the odds could put some more in your favor. You know, they might increase your hitbox. You might have been putting the work in, taking your shots. But if you're talking to the creator, that shit might increase your odds. Near-death experiences. It's like um, refreshing a game at a checkpoint. Like people who have we read that book replay on the book here before this was by an author who had several heart attacks was pronounced dead on the operating table and then died of one at 50 years old and he said during his heart attacks when he was about to transcend into another place another level (coughs) this guy said he was able to review every point of his life see it like a DIY novel where he could have chose different paths to take so maybe this is the pause menu This is your checkpoint that you're hitting when you get these near-death experiences. Go <laughs> go kill yourself <laughs> Dr. Raymond Moody was famous in the 1970s for his book Life after life not life after death this guy had a near-death experience He was struck by lightning dr raymond moody clinically dead for 28 minutes and he said he had the life review bardo that we talked about in the psychedelic experience it's a 360 degree review you can go back and forth feel the emotions of all the people that you righted and wronged relive all your previous experiences it's like when you beat the game some religious people also called this the panoramic life after death life after life And then I really don't know what point he was trying to make here. In all honesty, he was talking about the Nazis using the UFO scares. Maybe that's another in-game event. 19 uh, Everyone's been saying this year Project Bluebeam is ripe and ready. And this is declassified by the Central Intelligence Agency. And the Nazis did it, so it's not like an empire wouldn't do this to their people. You fake alien invasions and sightings in order to... Keep people in the Maya, in the illusion, and fool them into, you know, we need more military funding because aliens. (laughs) This brings up, oh boy, man, I'm already toked out. The Fermi paradox. If life is so abundant in the universe, look at it underwater. Pick up anything from nature and put it under a microscope, and there's a tiny world of life. The Fermi paradox. Why is life so abundant, but no one wants to come talk to us? We're so sad as people, man. Are we really fucking up that much that every single alien drives by in their spaceship and goes, man, fuck that place. Look how bad they're suffering down there. You'd think they'd help us then. If you look at the No Man's Sky Nebula, NASA says it has 18 quintillion planets. Okay? And SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, is still 0 for 18 quintillion. What are the odds of that? That's almost less likely that we would have been puddle soup. I don't know, man. It's either scarying or comforting that we are alone. Just knowing that if there was another species, they would be able to wipe us out in nothing. Does that scare you more than, hey, we're just chilling out here in space. Let's be nicer to each other. Ending this unexplained phenomena chapter was the outer body experiences. And this is how good you could get at meditating. You could leave your body. You could drop it into the etheric mind and go into the astral realm. And this is like um, creative mode. <laughs> if you've played video games where you could literally fly around. This is all um, also declassified. You could read about remote viewing. It's uh, basically telepathy. So there are definitely levels of science that are going to unearth more about our reality in the upcoming future. Second to last chapter. We are at part four, putting it all together. Chapter 11, Skeptics and Believers, Evidence of Computation. The question here is, is it possible, we're 11 chapters in, is it possible to detect numerically or with a physical experiment that the simulation hypothesis is true? (laughs) That was my question for page one. Bostrom thinks there were some lazy designers or engineers who left some clues or patches in the game to exploit. And he also thinks that there isn't a clear or obvious example that can be done to prove it so on, again, 20 pages before the book ends, is saying, I can't prove it. At least he admitted, you know, he's not totally into the science of consensus where he's going, I know everything. Gives me more reason to believe him. Did you know this one? This one blows my mind every single time. You would have thought, who coined this phrase, accept but verify, Einstein, Schrodinger, Niels Bohr, you would think a scientist, Buddha, the fucking mystery Maya illusion man, accept but verify this is the whole thing of checking for the inconsistencies the whole video game concept was used to show that we are outside controlling characters within if you take a meditation class they'll tell you you are not your thoughts do not identify with your thoughts they are a passing function it's like a burp it's your mind burping you are the sum whole of all of these parts Consciousness would need to exist independent of physical entities for us to be able to simulate this. Again, Would we need? if you wanted a real proper AI in a video game, you would have to give it a brain, a liver, all this shit to actually make it all as authentic as possible. Our most conclusive evidence was James Gates at the University of Maryland saying that string theory and supersymmetry supports smart simulations. Okay, I mean, I kind of spoiled it before, but that whole one to zero, it's not very different to our base reality, which are the quarks, which are either vibrating or they're not. And so the the biggest argument against, too, I would say, is, well, there's probably, why haven't we hit the memory limit if we are really in a simulation? And he thinks, uh, Mr. James Gates, that, eventually our computer power will get to the point where infinity is possible. So think about division. Like if you go between the number 1 and 2 is infinity. 1.1, 1.12, 1.113, you can divide infinitely. And these processings, our processors are close to exploiting these loopholes which would create these fractal environments for us to be able to explore and then we can go back from that original gaming thesis of wanting to be a new character to exploring an environment maybe that's just a fucking sign of an extremely sick society is that we all just want peak escapism at whatever turn life is fractal you're never going to find your true escape a fractal is a never-ending pattern and the best computers now are working on that scale Some people say you might come to this conclusion without ever reading a book and just having silly mushrooms, but nature could be the ultimate fractal-generating computer. It's going to be chapter 12 for us, our final chapter, The Great Simulation. Starts the beginning of the end, referencing once again Plato's allegory of the cave as the first simulation hypothesis and picking up speed from then until modernity. Those controlling the figurines, casting the shadows, would be the programmers. So the best we can do is try to interpret the shadows and try to further imagine the inner workings. Talking a little double speak here. It's just like why we can't say for sure what's outside the simulation. There's no way of telling the amount of what's in or what's outside. The only thing we can assume is the infinity that we know exists. No human has ever made it. Outside of uh, the Van Allen belt, which, um, have you seen this shit? This is a real big joke. I don't know why it's not on any news source science today. NASA has just said that the moon is now within the Earth's atmosphere. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, 286 hundred thousand miles away from us. I mean, it was inexplainable. No one will ever be able to get outside the Van Allen belt. That is, like, the fucking, um... Uh, imaginary ice wall at the end of World of Warcraft, we have one of those built in. And so, again, who controls the narrative? The uh, fucking NASA is going, yeah, It's uh, we, the moon is within our atmosphere now. Do you know what that means? That means that the moon wouldn't be getting hit with meteorites. That's the reason it looks like a fucking teenage with acne. It looks like it's got dimples. It's because it's getting peppered with asteroids. So if it really was within our atmosphere... It would be protected from the way it looks currently. I mean, it doesn't take a fucking scientist to double-check that retraction of data that we have heard. The developers, I'm telling you, they need to crank down the Mandela effect. Not everybody is picking up on these inconsistencies. Drive driving me crazy out here. We need more paradoxes. <laughs> he ended on another cool little trippy point. What if the DNA is just a simplified avatar? It's the proto-human of how we all look. It's like the... Uh, bitmoji or if you had those old xbox avatars they all look the same until you start putting the different nurture and the different clothes on them (laughs) literally like the movie avatar they are simulating themselves in someone else's reality and they can't tell the difference and this is when he started referencing the truman show the man in the high castle haven't seen that one but it's about what if the nazis won world war ii let's simulate what would have happened And it is very possible that our great, great ancestors are watching the simulation. Buckets of popcorn, milk duds in each hand. I would be. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, if you remember that one, best-selling book, huge movie, late 1900s. It was about the Earth is an experiment run by hyper-intelligent mice. (laughs) Think about lab rat mice. They know nothing else. There is no escape. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy could very well be our reality as well. Imagine if, uh, you know, dolphins are more socially intelligent than us, and chimps have a stronger hive mind than humans. So those could be other playable experiences. You want to really live up in your feels? This time around on planet Earth, ditch the female experience and be a full-on dolphin. That's what happens when you die. (laughs) Any simulation programmer knows it must give an AI an occupation. So, whether it is money, religion, or social, uh, being a socialite, we're back to the determinalism arguments. The best evidence is that small degree of freedom that we all have. And then Bostrom, his best evidence, this guy hits home runs. He said that it's more than likely that we are in simulated consciousness than the real being because. Real beings, in whatever form, always know what the outside game looks like. We're back to the Star Trek holodeck. Something's not right. When everyone around you tells you nobody knows what's outside the wall, you're not allowed to go there, you'll get radiated to death, it's most likely that these are pre-existing boundaries that have been set up for a reason. There is definitely a dreamlike nature of reality. That's why you gotta get your fucking sleep or you'll go crazy. You gotta play in that creative mode. The societal structure of those karma and quests, money, it's like XP, throwing it all together. The world is becoming digitized at an alarming rate. There are now 3D printers that have the ability to print with biological materials. <laughs> it won't be long until you could print, obviously, a clone of your dog, but that Boston Dynamics robot could have a functioning mind. I saw on a college campus recently there was a lawnmower that was like a Roomba. How fucking dangerous is this? The Roomba, the little suction vacuum cleaner, you could put googly eyes, make it look like a friend. This thing has knives on the bottom of it and it is going around students who are lounging on the quad. (laughs) Maybe that is a level one enemy within the simulation. But you see the lines between reality and the digitized world become blurred more every single day. We are starting to store information in quantum bits using that binary to our advantage and the quicker these vr and video games get again i'll refer you to the rate of improvement if you assume any any rate of improvement eventually our simulations will be indistinguishable from reality einstein once said to end us god is a mystery but a comprehensible one i want to thank you guys all for making it through this mental episode definitely a mind bender should give you maybe a new outlook or a way to push yourself to that next level, I truly hope. Thank you, Rizwan Verk, for a lifetime worth of work making your own sentient beings within video games. You truly are one to be revered. Hopefully, I don't think we'll be picking up one of those textbooks for the future on the show, so I want to thank you for the one and only Rizwan Verk. It's going to take us to our next episode, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be A very pertinent episode and more of a touch-up, kind of like our Anatomy of the State last May. We have War is a Racket by Smedley Butler. This five-star general put his career on the line for truth. He wanted to get the information out to the people. This book was released between world wars. He was able to wake up the masses to the manipulation of the detriments going on, the genocides and the wars taking mothers away from their sons. Smedley Butler, as a five-star general, he saw that the world is one giant risk board. He knows the disregard that generals talk about the infantrymen and who really pays the price and who reaps the benefit of a war. We're going deep into the military-industrial complex. Definitely give Rothbard's Anatomy of the State a read or a listen because we'll be building off of those ideas and this one too is only like a 20 page book so I would definitely suggest the read once again that is by the five star General Smedley Butler telling us how war is a racket thank you guys for our September themed episode it was a pleasure love you guys very much I will see you soon my name is Nick Muniz peace